Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth of a crucified Savior. Have you ever thought of how strange the words of Jesus are from the cross? The words of our Lord and Savior are not the normal words of a dying man, particularly on a Roman cross. Rather than crying out for vengeance, he sees himself as their deliverer. So as we look at Jesus dying on the cross, we have to look at it through the eyes of the gospel. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Of everything Christ would say while on earth, none could be more significant than the very last things He would speak from the cross. And in light of the agony on the cross, Pastor Xavier highlights today how Jesus not only expressed love for His accusers and the condemned thieves beside Him, but how He also tenderly made provisions for His mother. Let's join Pastor Xavier providing the background for today's simple truth. John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. The message is entitled, Love from the Cross. Have you ever thought of how strange the words of Jesus are from the cross? The words of our Lord and Savior are not the normal words of a dying man, particularly on a Roman cross. Um, but rather than crying out for vengeance, cursing his enemies who had condemned him, he sees himself as their deliverer. He saw man as one who needed help from God, rather than he seeing himself as one in need. So as we look at Jesus dying on the cross, we have to look at it through the eyes of the gospel not through our own eyes. What is it that it is recording? What is it that it is revealing? So that we get an accurate picture of what's going on. As you know, he prayed for the forgiveness of his enemies because they did not know what they were doing, Luke 23, 34 says. Now, how often you and I get mad at people because they do what they do, say what they do, they don't know Christ. I'm not excusing what they do, and I'm not saying they're not responsible for what they do. I'm saying is that we need to understand as Christians that they're dead in trespasses and sins, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. That's why they're living the way they're living. In the second word from the cross, he assured the sinner of being in paradise that very day due to the repentance of his life and the forgiveness of sins in Luke 23, 43. So here he is on the cross, and he's praying for his enemies to be forgiven to the Father. He's promising paradise to the thief who is guilty of his crime. And now in his third saying, Jesus regards the saint as he entrusts his mother Mary to the care of John the Apostle, here in verses 25 through 27. Now, it is interesting that John records of the seven saints, he records the third, the fifth, and the sixth. So he records three of them. Now, for our study, we want to look at the third saint, which is marked by three things. We don't have time for the three. We're going to take the one this morning. Let me read the text, verse 25 on down to 27. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom 
he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. The third saying of Jesus is marked by three things. First of all, the personal witness of love for Jesus by the four women and the one man. Verse 25 and part of verse 26. Then secondly, it's marked by the proclamation of love by Jesus to Mary. The rest of verse 26. And then thirdly, you have the proclamation of John's faithful love. Verse 27. Let's look at the first, the personal witness of love for Jesus by four women and one man. I want to take them in the reverse order. First, we want to look at the woman, Mary Magdalene. Now, she had been delivered of seven demons by the Lord and had received a brand new life with purpose and meaning. Luke 8, 2 tells us that. A woman who had known only torment, difficulty, and the Lord had touched her and made her new. Now, so often we look at Jesus and, and we even look at the lives of people and say, well, you know, uh, Jesus can, he can probably fix you up. And we start looking at the difficulty of people's lives to see if Jesus can do things. I mean, as we look through history and we see the lives that God has touched, there is nothing impossible for him. Yet for us, we start looking in the category of difficulty. This woman has seven demons. Jesus delivered her. And now she is living in peace and in love. She is not to be confused with the prostitute that came to Simeon's house in Luke 7, 36 through 50. I don't know why it is that so many people think that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She's not a prostitute. She's a different woman. The prostitute anointed his feet with her hair, wiped them. There's a difference there. She was a grateful woman who had been delivered from the power of Satan and experienced now the power of God and was filled with his love and had a peaceful life. What a difference. You remember how you used to live and what you went through and everything else and now how you live in Christ? The worst that we have in Christ is better than the best of the world because sin's fun only for a season, right? And then there's the payday. And so what a difference Christ makes in our life, even as he did in her own life. Now notice, secondly, we have Mary, the wife of Clopas. Now, nothing is known of her except that her husband was one of the two men on the road to Emmaus that Jesus appeared to in Luke 24, 18. Remember, the two were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appeared, and, and he started conversing with them. They didn't, he withheld their sight as to who he was and, and he says well, what are you guys talking about I said well you know it's, you know Jesus is Nazareth are you a stranger around here but you know they've crucified him and, and they buried him and it's the third day and we were hoping and then as the sun began to go down they were going to turn in for the night and he make believe he was continuing to walk and they asked him to abide with him and, and, and he did so and, and he began to open the scriptures and, and expound from Moses on and he says did our heart burn within us and then he revealed himself to them and they went and told the women that he was risen and the women told the disciples and, and some believed some didn't so this is the wife of, of one of the men on the road to Emmaus here she is at the cross a committed disciple 
She was a believer who loved the Lord. Notice thirdly, there is the Lord's mother's sister. She was the mother of James and John, the son of Zebedee, Matthew 27, 56 tells us. She's called Salome by Mark 15, 40. She is the one who was rebuked by our Lord when she petitioned the right and the left hand at the arrival of Jesus at Jerusalem in Matthew 20, 20, and 22, and in also Mark 10, 35 through 45. Remember she said, you know, my sons, one on the right, one on the left, said, you don't know what you're asking. Well, I am positive that as she sat there now and stood in front of the cross, and she saw the Lord hanging on the cross, and she saw the two thieves, one on the right, one on the left, I guarantee you she was so thankful and that she says, Lord, you were so right. I didn't know what I was asking. Because if you would have said, all right, he gets right, he gets left. As soon as I get up there, then her sons would have been there. So often, we do not understand what we ask of the Lord because we have the here and now, the immediate in mind. And then after the fact, we see and we say, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You're so good, this and that, you know. But till that point, boy, we murmur, we complain, we squirm, we threaten, all kinds of things. And Jesus has the long term in mind, the eternal, not the temporal. She was one thankful mommy, I guarantee you. Then fourthly, there is Mary, the mother of our Lord. She was that humble young woman who said to God, Behold, the maid, servant of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your will, in Luke 1.38. She was probably around 15 or 16, somewhere in there. What incredible character for a young woman, a young lady to have. She was the one who, knowing that if she was found pregnant during the engagement period, the law says she was to be stoned. And she said to the Lord, according to your will. And so she submitted herself to God as well as trusted him for the mockery and the snickering that would occur for the rest of her life. Matthew 1, 18 through 19 says that Joseph wanted to put her away privately. And she was willing to submit herself to this. 15, 16, incredible woman. She was the one who was going to trust God to speak to the heart of Joseph, Matthew 1, 20. What an incredible lesson for us. So often we try to convince people. Can you imagine Mary trying to convince Joseph that she was praying by the Holy Spirit? She knew only God could do it. You know, there are some things that we need to understand and be wise enough to know that only God can change the heart of men. All we can do is pray and live our life out and just trust God to do it because we can't do it. It has to be the work of God. She was a woman who did not compromise with the will of God. But she literally bore her cross throughout life. Quite a woman. Then there's John the only man at the cross. He was one of the 12 disciples and apostles. 
He is the one who leaned on the breast of Jesus at Passover meal as recorded in John 13, 23, 25, and 21, 20. He is the one who Peter and others began uh, to spread a rumor that he would never die till the Lord returned in John 21, 22, and 23. He is the one who received the revelation in the island of Patmos after being boiled in oil and Lord sparing him and yet God gave him the revelation, Revelation 119. He is the one whom the Lord loved a unique way John identifies himself in the gospel in John 13, 23, 19, 26, and 21, 20. The apostle whom the Lord loved. He is known as the apostle of love, John the Beloved. Tradition tells us that in the um, latter years of his life, as he was brought out in the church of Ephesus on a stretcher, he would just lift his hand and say, love one another. If you've read 1 John, if you've read the gospel, you know that that's one of his key themes, the love of God all the time. John was never the same. Now, their presence was in sharp contrast to the soldiers at the cross, these four women and John. The soldiers were there by duty. The soldiers were only interested in gambling for the Lord's possession and what they were going to get from him. They received an article each and then they gambled for the tunic that was seamless. I'm amazed of how many people come to church by duty and not by love. And they, they, they just feel that, you know, this is what I've got to do for God to bless me. But that's the wrong motive. You should be here in church because you love Jesus and you're so appreciative of him and you know that it's going to be for your benefit to grow. But the love for Christ is to motivate us instead of duty. Many people come to church to see what they can get from Jesus. And from Jesus means the church. And they're not really here to give or to be part of the body to support, but they're here just simply to receive. This happens all the time. It's never going to change. The soldiers were only there to witness the death of a condemned man. He was like any other. It is interesting that the centurion that stood opposite to Jesus and heard him cry aloud and give up his breath said, truly, this man was the son of God in Mark 15, 39. Even in his death, Jesus there is saving the very ones who are responsible for his crucifixion. Man, what an example. Now, in contrast, the women and John were there out of love. Nothing moved them there except for love. Nothing should move you to Christ. Nothing should move you to the church. Nothing should move you to serve but love. God's love should be the motive of everything you and I do. And if not, then what we do and what we say is worthless and it's hypocritical. Now, God's love has nothing to do with emotions and feelings. It has to do with my commitment and my openness for God to love through me. That's what it has to do with. The women in John were their only interested in the person of Christ. Too often people are interested only in their own person. What can I get? How can they help me out? 
And rather than coming and saying, Lord, you speak to me and how is it that I fit in this church? Is this the church you want me to be in? I'm here because I'm interested in you, Lord. What do you want to say to me? As a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a member of your body. The women in John were there to witness an innocent man condemned to death. The Son of God. And so we gather in memory of what he did. And though it is sad, we rejoice because through that death we were able to come and be one with him. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. Isaiah says, because he saw what was to be accomplished, his face was satisfied. Hmm. The personal witness of the four women in John was a witness of their love. Their love. Secondly, we have the proclamation of love by Jesus to Mary. Woman, behold your son. Now the title of woman is not one of disrespect, but just the opposite, showing respect and honor. Jesus had used it in his address at the wedding feast of Canaan towards his mother in John 2, 4. Jesus had used it for the woman of Samaria at the well in John 2, 21. And remember, the woman of Samaria was amazed that he, as a man, would talk to her, let alone a rabbi, a Jew, and then offer her eternal life. Jesus used it for the woman caught in the very act of adultery in John 8, 10. We saw that. Woman, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus was honoring Mary for her obedience to God's plan and her love showed to him for 33 years. 33 years. It's a long time. Notice secondly here that the title signifies the breaking of a nursery relationship as mother and son and the establishing of the heavenly relationship as Lord. I do not mean to imply that she didn't have a relationship as Lord on earth, just that they're severing from earth to heaven now, still as Lord. Mary is never referred to by Jesus as mother in any of the Gospels. Only the writers refer to her as his mother. He never says it. Mary was called or said to be blessed among Women by Elizabeth. Not above women, but among women, Luke 142. Now I say this because probably most of you and a lot of you come out of Catholic background. I did. And uh, I was always taught that Mary, being the mother of Jesus, had a special place and I could go to her and pray to her and she could get me in. The word bless means well spoken of. We get our word eulogy from it. When you eulogize somebody at a funeral, you speak well of them. That's where the word comes from. It does not mean sinless, for Mary had sin nature like you and I or anybody else. Mary acknowledged her own need of a Savior in her own song called The Magnificent in Luke 1, 46-47. Let me read it for you. Listen. My soul, says Mary, magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Did you read that? God, my Savior. Mary acknowledged her own sinfulness, her own need of a Savior, her own need of repentance. 
she would have to accept her own son. Mary is mentioned only one other time in the scriptures after this, after the Gospels. It is in the upper room in Acts 1.14. The 120 continue in one accord praying and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus with his brothers. The brothers is physical brothers. For the others are spiritual brothers and they're given the 120. Okay? It's very, very simple. Now, what an incredible privilege to be the one to carry the Messiah in her womb. Out of all the young ladies in Israel, out of all the time of human history, she would be the one. But she was not picked because of her own righteousness or her own merit, though she was a young woman of character and integrity, and that's good. But it was God's divine sovereign choosing. But what an incredible woman. Notice thirdly, the relationship of Mary was to be transferred to the Apostle John. Jesus was the oldest of the children, and therefore the responsibility of the home fell upon him. Since Joseph is not mentioned anymore, most likely he has died at this point. So it is up to Jesus, but Jesus is on the cross. You remember the man who told Jesus, you know, let me first go bury my father and mother for discipleship? He said, let the dead bury the dead. Because the culture was that the elder was the one responsible, and they would not leave the home until their parents were taken care of. They were to look after their parents. And once they died, then they were set free. Well, Jesus is dying. Remember, the brothers of Jesus did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus didn't think they would be able to take care of her the best. John 7, 5 says, they were not believers. It is amazing that once we come to Christ, that many times, not all the time, but many times, that there is a greater and more genuine love between brothers and sisters in the Lord than in genuine blood relatives who are not Christians. Because there is an animosity, there is an antagonism, there is a, a, an opposition, there is a division that comes in once you're a Christian and they say, well, you changed your religion, huh? And they think that you're self-righteous and you're looking down on them and they don't understand. But remember, like Jesus, pray for them because they don't know what they're doing, okay? They're responsible, but they're spiritually dead. That's important. Jesus knew that Mary was experiencing the sufferings prophesied by Simeon in Luke 2, 34 and 35. You remember his words? As Mary brought baby Jesus to be dedicated, listen to them. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And from that day on, Mary bore that sword in her heart. She knew the will of God. But we know the will of God, and when our loved ones die, we cry, don't we? Because we miss them. We're human. We're tied. So there's nothing wrong with sorrow. Uh, the only sin is to continue in sorrow and not allow God to use us and to move us on. There's the sin. And so the proclamation to Mary, woman, behold your son, was an expression of his love. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up with the simple truth that Jesus on the cross, even with the salvation of the world hanging in the balance, is able to provide comfort to his who are sorrowing. And we've been listening to a message by Pastor Xavier called Love from the Cross. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's in-depth study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. So please get in touch soon to request your copy of the study, Love from the Cross. And our address is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, let us know the call letters of the station you hear us on. That enables us to track where our radio outreach has been a ministry to our listening friends. And thank you for your help. Next time, Pastor Xavier has more from the four women, the disciple John, and the simple truths at the foot of the cross. Hope you'll be there too. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.